Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch, and today we're going to be discussing, well, what we are going to be discussing throughout the entirety of this season, and that's uh, Christianity as viewed from the Old Testament. Now, we, we all know about New Testament Christianity, or at least hopefully we do. That's what we spent the majority of our time discussing last season, uh, what uh, New Testament Christianity is, what makes it up, and and how to live uh, by, under New Testament Christianity in its, in its simplest way. Uh, of course, there are a lot of uh, precepts and, and uh, principles which need to be kept and followed, but it, it, it's very basic nature. Uh, we tried to try to look at old uh, at New Testament Christianity, but now we're going to be looking at New Testament Christianity from the Old Testament. Now, we're not going to be uh, talking about uh, the heresy that we read about in the Bible, and by that, if, if you're unfamiliar with it, there are many of the books of the New Testament were written, or many of the letters were written because there was um, heretics that would go around as Paul and his company or other preachers would preach the gospel in its purity uh, to, to, to new converts, to people who it was fresh on their minds and their ears, and they would take it and they would receive it with all readiness, and they became New Testament Christians. But then as soon as Paul or, or whoever it may have been preaching the gospel particularly Paul, it's mentioned more about him and those coming in behind him. As soon as he would leave, then there were these Jews that would come in behind him and they were uh, essentially teaching New Testament Christianity, but they were corrupting it with the Old Testament. They were teaching that, well, yes, Jesus is indeed the Messiah he did die for your sins, but you still need to keep certain principles, certain commandments of the Old Testament, such as you still need to keep the Sabbath, you still need to be circumcised, you still need to go to Jerusalem on the, on the holy days. And, and Paul, in much of his writings, he spent his time telling them, no, that's not the case. In fact, Galatians is a prime example. One of the common uh, referenced uh, verses of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, I marvel that you were so soon removed from him, from Jesus, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. It's not another um, of, of, a, of a same sort, uh, but there be some that trouble you who would pervert the gospel of Jesus. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so we say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you other than that you have received, let him be accursed. And Paul was writing about those that were coming in behind him. As Paul preached to Galatia, he preached the gospel in its purity, and then as he left, and there were Jews that came in behind him, they're called the Judaizers, or Judaizers, trying to convert them back to the Old Testament. Yes, Jesus was the Messiah, but no, you still need to keep the principles of the old law. And Paul spent his time in the, in the Galatian letter trying to persuade them 
otherwise trying to bring them back to New Testament Christianity because they had been persuaded to go back to the Old Testament. And as we're going to discuss later, that was a, uh, that was a sin, a great sin in and of itself, leaving or forsaking uh, the New Covenant. So we're not talking whenever we mention New Testament Christianity from the view of the Old Testament. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about keeping certain principles of the Old Testament, as we're going to discuss, that those two are completely separated, but simply that the Old Testament always looked to the New Testament. Now, just briefly, some of the things that we're going to be looking forward to before we get into the to the main discussion of of um, New Testament Christianity from the view or from the eyes of the Old Testament, we are going to be looking at in what ways does the Old Testament look forward to the New Testament? Well, there are various commandments, of course, which... I wouldn't say roll over into the New Testament, but rather that they are found in the New Testament as well. Then there, such as the Shema, the uh, the greatest commandment, and also the second greatest commandment, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then we're going to look at a couple of other commandments which are both found in the Old and New Testaments. We're also going to look at, at shadows, one of the more interesting uh, parts of the Bible displaying the wisdom of God and, and how he, from the Old Testament, and it shows that he always was looking to something greater, something better, even though those who were seeing these things at the present time, they couldn't recognize it. They didn't know that that's what God actually had in mind. They just had what was right there in front of them, but as the, the term implies, those things were but mere shadows of the actual figure. And we're going to notice that there are shadows of Jesus, there are shadows of the church, and, and shadows even of, of baptism. In fact, there's uh, several shadows of baptism, which we're going to be discussing. We're also going to look at, uh, at various examples, both in the positive and the negative uh, of the of the uh, of the term, both positive examples, uh, looking at at certain characters and certain um, persons that they were to us positive examples, and we know that they are because uh, New Testament writers proclaim that they were. But then we're also going to take a couple of glances at some negative examples. So those who, they're there in the Old Testament as examples for us, but as examples of what not to do. And then uh, we're also, of course, as the Old Testament looks to the New Testament, who is the main person or the main being of the entirety of the Bible? Who is the very essence of the Word of God? that being Jesus, we're going to look at Jesus throughout the Old Testament as well. But now, getting back to this uh, this distinction between the Old and New Testaments, that's sort of what we're wanting to look at um, today. Let's, let's take a moment to acknowledge the beauty in the wisdom of God. Take, for example, marriage. So, 
God's design of marriage, there is a lot of wisdom involved in that because there are many purposes of marriage. One, of course, it, it, I believe the, the primary reason for marriage is that it gives us an illustration of, of our relationship to Jesus or our relationship with God in, in, in the household. Uh, the the relationship between man and woman is the same relationship between Christ and 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 and, and the Christian and the church. But also, I believe another reason for the purpose of marriage is that it's to teach an individual to love somebody other than themselves. Because it's it's hard to do that on your own unless you're in a committed relationship with that person to where you, you're around them every day. You're around them almost all of the time, or at least, um, at le- of course, those who are in secular work, they're around those who are... But you're more intimate with this other individual, and you share more things with this other individual... You, you you are in the same bed with this other individual, so you place your deepest uh, trust that you can physically instill in somebody with that other person. And by doing so, you have to learn to love them. And you have to learn to love them equal to yourself or even more than yourself. And quite frankly, that's getting off uh, getting off topic here a little bit. But the reason why so many marriages fail is because people are not willing to learn to love somebody else at least equal to themselves. They're so self-centered that they're willing to give up on this commitment to, to another individual rather than choosing uh, to, to love them in the way that God designed them to. And so we see that there are many purposes in, in marriage, and, and that displays the, the beauty and the wisdom of God, but also it, so many other things. There, there, there's many fold purposes in God's design, and it's no different with the Old Testament. The Old Testament, if we were to, to read the entirety of Romans, Paul lays out a, a great list of things that, that the Old Testament did. He listed all of the reasons for the Old Testament. Now, of course, the reason why he was doing that was to show that, well, God always pointed to the New Testament. God always had the New Testament in mind. He always had in mind that the just would live by their faith uh, Romans chapter 1, also Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2. So what, what, are the, what are a few of the purposes of the Old Testament that we need to look at? Well, one of the purposes of the Old Testament, and this is, I believe, one of the main reasons which is, which is noted often, Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. Paul, whenever he's, again, he's laying out the case for uh, the Old Testament versus the, the New Testament, he's giving, uh, continuing his treatise on the faith, and he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Well, God forbid, certainly not. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known desire or lust, except the law said you shall not covet. 
or you shall not desire to have something which is not yours. So, and also uh, Romans 3.20, Paul says it quite plainly that uh, by the law is the knowledge of sin. So, without the law, without the commandments of God that, that are listed in the Old Testament, that are listed in Exodus, that are listed in Leviticus, that are listed in Numbers and Deuteronomy, we would not have known what sin is. And as it's been noted before, there are some 600 uh, laws in the Old Testament, and I think it's a good time to, to state or to note that there are, in fact, many more laws in the New Testament than there were in the Old Testament. So, but, the, but one of the reasons of the Old Testament was to show us what sin is, but not only to show us what sin is, but to show us how terrible it is in the sacrifices which were required for one sin, which, as the Hebrews writer stated, all of these sacrifices, no matter how pure and innocent of a creature you had, no matter how pure and innocent of a beast you had to offer, it could never take away your sins. A sinless beast could never take away your sins. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away your sins. Only one sinless human being who also was 100% God as well, only his sacrifice could take away your sins. And so it shows, and you can get this, this, this imagery of if you've ever had uh, livestock, you've ever kept sheep, you've ever kept calves, whatever it is, or even if you haven't, try to picture in your mind's eye taking the, the best. You have this newborn calf, and he is perhaps one of the best calves, if not the best calf or the best little lamb that you have ever had, that you have ever bred, and he's perfect. But because he's perfect, you now have to take him to somebody else, willingly take him to somebody else so that they can slaughter him. And it gives us the picture of how terrible sin is. That innocent creature who has done nothing to nobody now has to die because of what I have done, not only to myself, not only perhaps to someone else, but also to God. And that's the exact same reason why Jesus died. That sinless, perfect being who did nothing but good had to die because I did evil. But speaking about Jesus, there's another purpose of the Old Testament. The Old Testament had its it, it it had its had its purposes, it had its glory, though its glory faded away, as Paul uh, made the case in the Corinthian letters. In Galatians chapter three, Paul lists another reason for the law. In verse twenty three, he says, But before faith came, and keep in mind the entirety of the Galatian letter is written about the faith and uh, trying to to persuade the Galatians of better things. But before faith came, uh, 
we were kept under the law. We were kept under that very same uh, law, which you're trying to go back to. Shut up and, and listen to the language that he uses. Shut up unto the faith. We were closed out of the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Verse 24, here's the key. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. And the, and the word to look at there is schoolmaster. In, in, in the Greek, it was the, the word for a tutor. But I believe a good example for uh, what a schoolmaster or, a, or a, a better equivalent for what a schoolmaster is today would be like a bus driver. It's somebody who is picking you up, but they're not your teacher. They're not your master. They're merely bringing you to the master. They're bringing you to the one, or in, in the modern case, to the ones teaching you. But the law, was its purpose was to pick the Jews up, or quite frankly, to pick up the, the world and bring them to Jesus, to bring them to Christ. And of course, uh, the Jews or, or the, the, the Jewish nation was, was the vessel in which God chose to bring in Christ, to bring in Jesus, uh, which they had the law. So the law always pointed to the New Testament. That was the case that Paul was making here in Galatians 3, that it was but merely a tutor or, like I would say, a bus driver. It was but the vessel to bring us to Christ. So, the law, where in the Old and New Testaments does it further state that the law was to bring us to Christ or that the law always looked forward to Jesus? And to, to, try, to, to try to look at it as though it's not something that God said, well, I can't do anything with this Israelite nation, with these Israelite people, so I'm going to uh, extend my mercy to, to the entire world. It, rather, is there anything in the Old and New Testaments that state that it was always in the mind of God? Well, like we've discussed in the Galatian letter, like we've looked at in, in Romans, that if you read uh, Romans and as well as the Hebrews letter and in various places in other letters of the, of the New Testament, all, all of those, they, they state that God always had a new covenant in mind, that this was his ultimate goal to bring us into a covenant which he, he, he calls a covenant of peace, uh, which I would say a covenant of reconciliation, one that would actually tie us back together to God. What about the Old Testament? Well, the Hebrews writer mentions or he makes reference to, uh, to Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 30 and following. And that's a more commonly referenced passage, but also Ezekiel. All three of the major prophets, well, excluding Daniel, but Daniel also mentions it as well, but not the covenant explicitly. But Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, all three may or allude to this new covenant. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 24 
through 26, Ezekiel says, And David, my servant, God speaking through Ezekiel here, says, David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. He's talking about Jesus. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Not going to be like in the old times whenever they would actually uh, fall away and I would have to deliver them back into myself after they cried out to me. These, are, these people are actually going to walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. They shall dwell in the land that I've given unto Jacob my servant, the promised land, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children, their children's children forever. My servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them, set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now also, Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah alludes to this new covenant as well. And it would be important to note that all of the Jews, or I would say at least the bulk of, of modern Jews, do still believe in all three of the of these major prophets. In Isaiah, they believe the writings are from God. In Isaiah's writings, and Ezekiel's writings, and Jeremiah's writings. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, uh, verses 3 and following, 3 through 5, Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David... Behold, I've given him for a witness to the people. Again, whenever he mentions, whenever God speaking through the prophets mentions David here, it's talking about Jesus, a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, you shall call a nation that you know not, and nations that knew you not shall run unto you because of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel for he has glorified you. So, the Old Testament does mention the New Testament. God did have the New Testament in mind always. Now, one final thing uh, to note here, uh, well, rather two final things to note here. There is some question about Matthew chapter 5 in this one statement whenever this uh, debate or discussion is ever brought up and whether or not God has done away with the Old Testament, we can certainly reference um, Ephesians chapter 2 and Colossians as well in regard to that. But Matthew 5 and verse, beginning of verse 17, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, "'Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets.'" Not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And that's the key. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot nor one tittle shall pass away from the law. And then here again, another key, till all be fulfilled. Then he goes on to say, whosoever shall break one of these least commandments and teach men shall, he shall be least in the kingdom of heaven or in the kingdom of God. So, 
But while Jesus was on the earth, until he did fulfill the Old Testament, until he did fulfill the law, the prophecies written in the law and, and the commandments of the law, until he did fulfill the prophets, the, the prophecies of the prophets, until all of those things were fulfilled, none of it passed away. Jesus did not do away with any of it. But he says that once everything was fulfilled, till all be fulfilled, that it was going to pass away. You cannot exclude the other New Testament writings, and there is no contradiction because Jesus said that till all be fulfilled, none of it would pass away, implying that once it was fulfilled, that it was going to pass away. Now, one, one final thing to note here in Hebrews chapter 6. For anybody who's wanting to, to go back to the, to the old law and trying to pull anything from it, any commandments which we might, uh, which they might want to keep, or anything of of that um, similitude, in Hebrews chapter six, again Hebrews was written to the Jews. It was the Hebrew letter because they wanted to go back. Certain Jews wanted to go back to the old law. Their life was simpler under the old law. Yes, there were more commandments, but there was a lot less persecution. Yes, they were oppressed, but they weren't being actively persecuted for their faith. So they wanted to go back to where it was simpler, to where it was easier. And the Hebrews writer, Hebrews writer was explaining to them that there was no forgiveness of sins under the old law. You cannot go back to the old law. You literally can't. And he tells them exactly this in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning verse 4. He says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, go back to the New Testament is what he's saying, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. Whenever you try to go back to the old law, when you try to pull anything and try to make anything from the old law binding today that isn't found in the New Testament, that isn't New Testament practice, you're crucifying the Son of God afresh. You're putting Him to an open shame. There's no forgiveness of sins under the old law. There's no forgiveness of sins in any of those commandments. Look to the new law, to the perfect law of liberty for your commandments and for your uh, for your way if you have stayed tuned in to us uh, thus far uh, we do appreciate uh, you listening uh, you have to go check out some of the other uh, some of the sister podcast um, if you're listening to it on the day that this episode is airing on a Thursday, go check out uh, Drew Suttles, Weather the Storm with him, or perhaps go check out some of the other fellas' podcast, um, perhaps Caleb Rutherford's podcast, or Michael Clark's, or uh, Josh Cantrell's, or uh, many, many more. We have, we have a lot of, of good guys to listen to. They bring a lot of content to the table, and hopefully that you can be edified and, and, and further your faith in Christ. And if you have any questions and you want to reach out to us, uh, there is, uh, 
ways to do that in the descriptions and, and whatever platform you're listening to us. Uh, be sure to to share it with a friend if you can. Um, I'm sure that there that that, that it might be of some help to somebody. Uh, we do thank you uh, for tuning in to us. Uh, we appreciate you. We love you. And have a good day.